All right, well, I'm Kelly Nichols, I'm the Dean and uh, Professor at University of Alabama at Birmingham School of Optometry, and I'm here with Dr. Walt Whitley. Hi, my name is Walt Whitley. I'm the Director of Optometric Services at Virginia Eye Consultants in Norfolk, Virginia. Today we're going to be having a conversation about neurotrophic keratitis and its classification. Um, but before we go there, I think we should talk a little bit about its prevalence. Yeah, when it, it comes to NK, this is something that was traditionally rare, but something that we're finding more and more within, within our daily practice. And one of the reasons why is because we're doing the history, we're asking the questions, but then we're also testing for those patients. If they have grade two higher or of, of staining, those are patients where we're doing corneal sensitivity testing. And if that patient's reduced or absent in that corneal sensation, and those are patients that we're considering uh, various treatment options for NK. And so um, with the initial numbers with how rare it was, I'm probably seeing several a week uh, just within my practice. Yeah, which would certainly mean that it's not really that rare. No, that's um, I also think, you know, if you have dry patients that aren't responding to therapies or they're new to you and they have tried different therapies over time, and what you're seeing in the slit lamp is, you know, obviously more maybe severe than what you would expect based on the amount of symptoms that they're reporting. These are definitely all like sort of red herring cases to be looking at corneal sensitivity testing. Yeah, and you know, when we're looking at that cornea, it's gonna go back to the, the, the homeostasis of the cornea and the corneal epithelium. And we're trying to keep that, that surface as, as, as pristine as possible. And, and healthy as possible. We're all used to seeing that vicious cycle of dry eye with the lacrimal gland, the brain, and the cornea. But just with the cornea itself, I mean, it has, uh, it has its own feedback loop that if we don't maintain that homeostasis, then that leads to the various uh, classifications that we're gonna talk about here shortly. And it can also impact, uh, you know, an unhealthy cornea as part of that whole system. So it can impact the tear film too. So, you know, there's often, um, you can have dry eye concurrently with neurotrophic keratitis, but there are also in situations in which you think it might be dry and it actually isn't. So um, in all uh, situations, if you have a new dry patient, especially with staining or one that's unresponsive to treatment, you should consider that it could be neurotrophic keratitis. And in some clinics, they do corneal sensitivity you know, testing on all of their um, new and or existing um, at least once dry patients. Um, has your clinic adopted that yet? Uh, not on every single patient. It's all pr provider specific. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for, for new dry eye evaluations, that's always part of the protocol. If it's a follow-up patient, if I see that staining or well, you know, whatever that patient's there for, if I can test for corneal sensitivity, because I see that staining, I'll do it then. If they've already had pressures done, and then I'll just bring that patient back and do it at the next visit. Because yeah, sometimes your staff might actually get to them and do some things or, but, you know, before, and so making a good note in the chart to do it next time is also helpful. So you were part of this panel recently, which uh, looked at some best practices for testing for neurotrophic keratitis, and we're going to go through a few of the um, panel recommendations today, and I, I know you found this to be a really rewarding experience. You want to mention it real briefly? Yeah, it was just an opportunity for us to collaborate on a topic that all, everybody who was on this panel was very passionate about, and seeing ways that we can develop best practices or where's, where areas that we agree or disagree 
in the diagnosis, in the treatment, and how we do address, uh, address our patients. And then also learning from each other. We all had to bring in our own cases and so talk about you know, you know, how we addressed it and just let everybody else comment on, hey, were you right or wrong? Or in the end, many of us did. Uh, we, we, we agreed, test for corneal sensitivity, grade two or higher, and treat accordingly. Yeah. I think when you finally have uh, better treatment options, it becomes easier to look and less frustrating for doctors and patients alike. So I'm sure that everyone on the panel has had cases that they wish they had tested for corneal sensitivity, yeah. um, whether they're still with them or they've moved to another practice or whatnot. Um, it's always, it's, we all have those that we think about that could have been NK that maybe we misdiagnosed. So our, it's our and we've all missed it. Yeah, That's yeah. the thing, we've all missed it. So consensus point number four um, from your group was that classification of neurotrophic keratitis is moving away from the MACI system. And I'd uh, counterbalance that with the MACI system has been in existence for a long time and may be a bit more simple. But let's compare and contrast with some examples and then see where we land at the end. So in a recent um, uh, basically lecture on neurotrophic keratitis, panel discussion, the audience was polled to see where they stood on measuring or testing for neurotrophic keratitis and if they see it. And um, if they would then think about adopting either the Mackey system or others, because if you really aren't looking for it, then you maybe aren't classifying it, and so this might be new to a lot of doctors, and, and actually that's true. So 57% of the audience uh, felt like they don't see many patients with NK. Now maybe they'll start looking a little more closely, and that number might change a bit, but does this surprise you at all? Uh, no, not at all. And so, you know, I don't see that many NK patients, so my aha moment once again was you know, seeing patients. I've been in the same practice for about 15 years now. I've had patients on the various immunomodulators or various uh, anti-inflammatories and whatever ocular surface treatment, and that surface, you know, I had to question several years ago, question myself, what am I missing? Why is this not getting any better? Because, I mean, they've been on the, the appropriate treatments, but it wasn't getting any better. And so it wasn't until I started implementing corneal sensitivity testing with my cotton swab, present, reduced, or absent, uh, is, is when I was able to, to address my patient's condition and, and help. Actually, I had a patient the other day, she, they, she, she, she sent me a nice gift, but she also, on a card, she says, thank you for, for identifying my condition and, and offering me this miracle treatment because no one's ever offered it to me before. And so, uh, so you, you definitely help people who's been yeah. suffering for a long time. Is she a new patient to your practice? Uh, she was a, patient, a new patient to our practice. Yeah, so she's probably bounced around yeah. and been to many doctors and, yeah. and tried. And sometimes I used to call these patients, maybe inappropriately, but the ki you were doing the kitchen sink treatment with them. You are trying everything that you could, and maybe they were or weren't getting better. But it seems now that you at least have a path forward from that, which is, which is good. So the, the, if you go back on, on that poll, you can see one of those. No, I don't see the relevance of, of staging NK. Uh, once you start looking at identifying these patients, it's, it's important for us to stage that because with the avail available treatment options, it's got to be in there. You need the ICD-10, but then also, you know, what, what stage is it, which eye, and, what, and, um, and so it's very specific, specific for that. Yeah, and that can have an implication about how uh, fast treatment might occur and if they need a retreatment or if a different treatment is necessary given their scenario. So 
Yes, always good. And I do like, actually, that 33% of the audience said that they would consider adopting a new system, which is great, because that means that they're willing to kind of think about it and, and move in a direction that might be better for their patients. So actually, I find that to be pretty encouraging. It's good to have these discussions and, and, and looking at these different grading systems, because we're still learning. We're still you know, finding more patients with NK and any tools that we have to help understand the condition better and diagnose the condition is only going to benefit our patients. Mm -hmm. So you may be wondering, you know, what are the two systems and that you know, the one that the 33% was likely to switch to. So the existing most commonly reported system is the Mackey system. That's used in a lot of the clinical trials and has been used in grading NK over the years. And, and we'll talk about that in a second. But then a neurotrophic keratitis study group got together and tried to kind of expand out that, and we're gonna go through kind of side by side here in a second, um, the clinical features to try and make it a little bit easier to grade. Now some might say, well, now seven choices is a lot harder than That's a lot of numbers. Choices. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, you know, it's worth sticking with an easier one, but I do think it's worth thinking of the way that they've sort of been broken up and then you can make your choice of which you'd choose depending on, you know, if you like three numbers or seven, so. Yeah, the uh, study group, the whole reason for that was to become more specific as well, to identify, the, identify those patients. Because if we look at the MACI, you can see how broad that is. Stage one, epitheliopathy, decrease uh, tear film breakup time, stromal haze that the patient has. Grade two, you can see the uh, persistent epithelial defects. Uh, with, with the rolled edges or the stromal opacities, and then the worst case scenario is going to be stage three, which uh, unfortunately, uh, I have several patients that are stage three, working closely with one of my uh, partners, a cornea specialist as well, but thinning, ulcerations, and perforation that, that can occur. And so, but when you compare the MACI to the study group, one of the things that you can see as they're looking at the various stages is haze, right? Is the patient have haze? or is it a scar? Haze, we, we're trying to treat. Mm -hmm. We know that cornea, we want to keep it as pristine as possible to help uh, keep our uh, patients with, with good vision and good healthy cornea. But once it becomes a scar, that's when our patients are going to lose their vision. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and so you, in the area of a scar, you can have some existing haze, which can clear. So you could slightly improve visual acuity in case of a scar, but you want to try and catch it before you get to the point of the scar, I guess is the, the moral. Not always is that possible, and unfortunately, though. So what would you say stage zero is? Yeah. We just talked about it. Yeah, I think that stage zero is interesting. Um, it's the, one of the other recommendations of the panel was that you should consider looking at your diabetic patients very carefully. Um, if you have a very brittle or, or long-standing diabetic patient, even if they, if they have other you know, sort of neuropathic types of uh, complaints or history, it really is worth looking at their corneal sensitivity. So a diabetic patient that has sort of not well-controlled or diabetes that perhaps could lead to um, neurotrophic keratitis could be a stage zero. Like you don't see any keratopathy on their cornea, they don't see any haze, yet they, they could have altered sensation. And that wouldn't be absent sensation necessarily. Correct. Correct. And yeah, and it could be different between the eyes. Yeah. And then the other group's gonna be our surgical patients. Uh, whether it's cataract surgery, whether it's LASIK surgery, we know that those are other patients in that stage. Mm -hmm. And then they do kind of parallel one another sort of through stage one and two, and then the latter stages really are kind of to break out what you see in the worst scenarios. So stromal thinning and ulceration and perforation are kind of you know, in, the, in the latter half of the zero to six scale. Any other comments you'd like to make on that? In the end, which one are you gonna use? 
I'm going to stick with the Mackie because that's one that, that I need. Uh, that's what I need, but also for the reimbursement for the various treatments. That's what they're going with right now. Yeah. But I think you're going to continue to see additional you know, research studies and clinical case reports that might go through the MAC or through the neurotrophic keratitis study group pathway just because it helps to delineate what clinicians should be looking at. And here's a listing of the people that were in the NK study group, a very well-known group of um, MDs that have been very involved in this area. Um, if you have a chance to hear any of them talk about this topic, I mean, they're all very excellent. Um, ODMD practices and the seven-step seven clinical staging is to, again, be more precise, as Walt said earlier, and allow perhaps for earlier diagnosis because you have now that, that stage zero. So let's look at some photos and like talk about them. So altered sensation without keratopathy. So we've talked about that group. Um, then you're moving into stage one. So these are the patients that we see. Yeah, they are. And uh, yeah, these, these are the patients. That's my aha moment where you're seeing this punctate epitheliopathy that just hasn't gotten better. Mm -hmm. And so whether they're on treatment, whether they've never been on, on treatment, but looking for, uh, looking for help, I mean, anytime I see this, I'm already, you know, thinking, check corneal sensitivity. And majority of the patients that any of us are going to see is going to be the, the, the stage one patients. And treating stage one, I think, is a, a really important place of focus because finding them early is really important. And yet, a lot of docs are hesitant to treat things unless they're the worst they've ever seen. So I think, like, sort of reevaluating the grading system in your mind is really important. I would say most practices and people who I talk to who see a lot of this see more stage one and two than three by any stretch, which is good. Yeah. So going back to that question you asked, which one I'm going to use, I guess I'm using both because stage one is the most common one we see with that epitheliopathy, but it's both grade one in Mackie and the study group. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So here's stage two, and um, you see that there's epitheliopathy with some stromal haze, not surprisingly. And let's go to three. Now we have the big persistent or recurrent epithelial defect. And I think recurrent is an important word here. I think that we tend to overlook the recurrence of things. And so if, if you're seeing somebody and you, you see something like this and even a smaller version of this and it just keeps coming back, it's really worth testing corneal sensitivity. And so going back to this again, we were talking about herpes, uh, you know, herpes simplex, herpes zoster. And anytime we have that patient, that first non-healing epithelial defect, I mean, herpes is going to come to mind. But if we're having these recurring defects, that's a sick cornea. And so that's something that we do, we do need to address. And here's stage four, which is persistent or recurrent epithelial defects with stromal scarring. So this is the point where you get a little worried. Look at this one. It's right over central visual access, axis. And um, there's no, no real ulceration, but certainly you know, this is worrisome. Yeah. So this would be, uh, a, would this be a two or three in Mackey? In Mackey, uh, this because the stroma is involved, uh, this would be a, a, a two. Persistent and recurrent epithelial defect with corneal ulceration is this photo here. And then stage six, or the worst, is uh, corneal perforation. Of course, none of us ever, ever want to see this in practice. Unfortunately, I've seen too many of these in practice uh, already. Yeah. So the, you know, the moral is to get to treatment well before you get to the point where you have such a thin cornea, it's going to perforate. Yeah. 
because you, you know those always happen on like Friday. Of course, of yeah. course. But that's where the collaboration comes in. Like within our, our practice, my, my, uh, my cornea partners, I mean, they're in surgery a lot of times, so they can't follow all these patients. And so uh, we're both working together to make sure that we are monitoring the patient but giving them the appropriate treatment that they need. Yeah, and for those of you who are in an OD-only practice, either group or solo, knowing your community and, and who around you um, is a, a cornea specialist that could take care of something in the latter stages. Um, and if you have colleagues that are in your area that maybe are uncomfortable, um, you know, either diagnosing NK or treating it in its you know, stage one or two, a MACI, have them come to you. So there's lots of opportunities for co-collaboration between optometrists as well as, as people in the community who can take care of the situations you're uncomfortable with. But the good thing is we're trying to identify early. And so if we identify early, that's where we're going to prevent the more moderate to severe cases. And so that's how we can best uh, help our patients.